burnout is now an actual medical diagnosis on Dave Kinchin tonight. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is uh, Dave Kinchin. We're back in the saddle after being away for a little bit, taking a little bit of a, uh, I guess you could call it a vacation. <laughs> really, we've been working on our other program, too, so it's not really much of a vacation. Uh, but it's great to be back with you on uh, Dave Kinchin tonight. Uh, looking at a couple of things on this show that I found really interesting, and one of the, one of the things we like to do on this show is not just talk about, um, sorry, I had to turn the, the air on. It just got really hot in the studio here. We did two podcasts, and so maybe it's my hot air. I don't know, but uh, so you'll probably hear a little bit of the air in the background there. Um, we like to talk not just about politics and major issues going on around the country and the world. We like to talk about some of the things that are happening uh, in our lives and what life is like when we deal with certain uh, issues that we see on a, on a grand scale, something in the news, and, and it relates to everybody. And we've got two stories here that are really interesting, one dealing with burnout and how the, the WHO is considering it uh, a, a, to be a, essentially a much more serious thing than previously thought. It, that's the general interpretation uh, that's come out of this, uh, this announcement from uh, the World Health Organization. And then also um, a startling... Uh, statistic that says a report that says that millennial net worth has plunged down to eight thousand dollars in other words the average millennial is only worth eight thousand dollars according to a report from a, an accounting organization that looked at cost of living that looked at the cost of, tra of transportation the cost of um, communications like cell phones and things like that rent going up uh, and then also students that are weighed down with, with debt, with uh, credit card debt and things of that sort. Um, student loan debt, of course, we have to mention that. So we'll look at both of those uh, as two separate pieces um, because the, it's two separate sets of research all the way through, so we have to treat it as such. But they dovetail so well together, it's, it's almost frightening. So starting with um, the WHO, and uh, they're now calling burnout, uh, quote, and a, a, quote, occupational phenomenon. Um, it's what they call it. Now, they're saying it's not seen as a medical condition, but an occupational phenomenon. So certainly this is something that could uh, create medical conditions, uh, uh, but it's, they call it a, sim a syndrome uh, with uh, workplace stress that has not been properly managed. Um, some of the, uh, I'll use the word symptoms, or some of the the descriptions they use, energy depletion, uh, more, more mental distance from uh, a job. In other words, being distant from your job in your mind, um, negativity, uh, and also reduced work efficiency, so not doing your job as well as you used to. So um, this, is, <laughs> this is interesting. There was a radio reporter that said on the air, you know, does this sound like anybody you know? Uh, and I, I sort of thought, I, I bet you everybody can find someone who may have those, uh, again, I'll use, I, I, I'm not a doctor, of course, so I'm trying to use the right terminology, but symptoms um, or characteristics, you know. Uh, this is something that seems to be universal uh, for a lot of people in, in many, many industries. Uh, 
as depending on your industry, if the car, if the competitiveness of your job has gone up, if there's more pressure, um, there's been downsizing in many industries, and so many people are settled uh, with more, they have more work set on top of them uh, and less time to do it all. So all of those things make a major, play a major impact and, and make a major contribution to being burnt out. Um, the question ultimately is what do you do about it? And um, you know that's something that people have to figure out really on their own, whether it's going to a doctor, whether it's um, you know talking to friends or going to a, a psychologist or whatever it might be. Of course, even that takes time. Um, you know, in a, in a very busy life that so many people have, but you have to find a way to, to, to take that time. So I, I thought it was really interesting because it's, um, again, while the WHO says it's not seen as a medical condition to call it an occupational phenomenon, um, you know, I don't know how they go into splicing the words and how they go into calling something what they call it. Um, it seems that, you know, there's there's a specific methodology that goes into, especially when it comes to human medicine, calling anything, uh, giving anything a certain name and, 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 and uh, an identity and describing it based on, on the uh, uh, characteristics of such and, and, and that type of thing. Um, but it's an interesting uh, phrasing, occupational phenomenon. Um, and I'll, let me just see if there's any more research on this. But I, what, what, what I found... Um, you know, some businesses, some companies really try to help and alleviate this issue. Um, okay, so we have more information here. So it's included, um, the WHO says that burnout is uh, included in the 11th revision of the International Classification of Diseases, the ICD-11, um, as an occupational phenomenon. Um, it's described in the chapter, quote, factors influencing health status or contact with health services, which includes reasons for which people contact health services, but that are not classified as illnesses or health conditions. Um, okay, burnout is a syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. It is characterized by three dimensions, and we talked about this already, the feeling of feelings of energy depletion and exhaustion, mental distance from the job, uh, and reduced professional efficiency. It also says that burnout refers specifically to phenomena in the occupational context and should not be applied to, to describe experiences in other areas of life. Well, there's no question that, now this is, this is um, a summary from the World Health Organization, uh, so this is all within their press release. Now, it seems certainly fair enough and, and within the realm of, of possibility that um, while they say uh, it should not be applied to describe experiences in other areas of life, that it impacts other areas of life. It impacts relationships. It impacts friendships. It impacts, um, you know, your ability to focus. Again, every person's different, obviously, and every person handles burnout differently. But, it, you know, how you pay your bills, how you... Um, you know, plan for your future, your retirement, all of these things, you know, how you plan for to take you to how you behave as a parent, how you behave as a, a son or daughter or, you know, what have you. All of that uh, can certainly be impacted, you know. So it seems like they stop short a little bit here. Uh, again, there, there's probably scientific reasons for that. But it would also seem that they that there could be. Um, I mean, I would like to see more research that shows, in fact, how burnout 
does spill into other parts of life. So at least if I'm understanding that part correctly, it does seem like it's a stop short. Um, you know, burnout refers specifically to phenomena in the occupational context and should not be applied to describe experiences in other areas of life. And, you know, sometimes, and this is tough to say, but sometimes relationships can lead to a different kind of burnout or, um, you know, uh, that type of thing. Or if you have your own business or something like that. And imagine if you work from home. Imagine if you, you do your own business from home. Well, obviously that burnout's going to spread, you know, throughout the rest of your home. Uh, if you have kids or other people home, at the time and you know you, you don't just shut off it's kind of hard to shut off all you know you, the challenges or whatever you go through when your loved ones come home from their jobs and your kids come home from school i don't know it just seems like it, it's it, the fact that it's gotten the attention of of um you know the world health organization i thought was very significant the question is was this little more than just a press release that went out and you know the news uh, newspapers and radio stations will report it because it is news and then you sort of move on or is this you know is this something that deserves a lot more thought and and dynamic I think the latter I think it does deserve a lot more thought a lot more dynamic and a, and a, and a, a way of approaching it but the question is how do you do that there's um, many companies have employee assistance programs and and, and areas where workers can go and and sort of take take the load off or at least help take that load off but sometimes people need a little bit more something longer term you know if if it is a therapy situation if it is a situation where people need uh, a counselor or something you know that's an investment they have to make as well and sometimes depending on the job some companies will pay for that obviously healthcare will take care of a good chunk of that if not all of it depending on the plan um but it seems like this is something that can go a lot further. Um, and But that's something that people have to determine on their own. I think that's where, you know, there's a line that's drawn where people have to look at what's going on in their lives and then say, okay, well, you know, here's what this means, you know. And, and in another sense, there's always these studies, do, you know, there's always the skeptics who say, well, of course, you know, you can call it an occupational phenomenon, but of course it's something serious. Of course burnout exists, you know. In other words, do you really need a study, you know, to say that some people look at that and say, well, you know, um, if you drink a lot, you're, gonna, you're going to get – research shows if you drink a lot, you're going to get drunk. You know, research shows if you eat a lot of chocolate, you're going to gain weight. So I don't know. There's some people that probably have that kind of skepticism to it. I'm not saying I do. I'm just trying to point out that other perspective too. Um so, so what do you do? What do we do about it? Well, um, thankfully, there are resources available, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, the only question is, when do people decide they need to look at those resources? You know, it's a personal thing. Um, you know, unless there's folks at work or friends that can call you aside and say, hey, uh, you know, do you have a minute, you know, and you have a little bit of a chat and, and maybe you see where that goes. Sometimes it takes people to point those things out for you. Um, but I am curious, you know, we're, we're, we continue to talk about insurance in this country and looks like they're going to take another stab at, at a health insurance reform in Washington at some point. And my question is, at, at what point do these types of things, you know, is there a better way to, to, to provide coverage for uh, dealing with the symptoms uh, or dealing with matters related to burnout, especially as those connections uh, build between this occupational phenomenon and 
actual medical conditions, which we all know are there. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's something that, that, you know, it's always a good idea probably to talk to, you know, your doctor, talk to, uh, you know, whoever handles your, your health matters. And again, this is not me saying this is just seems like what, what is the most logical thing, what people will do. I'm just curious. Uh, I'm going to, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not necessarily experiencing any of this, but I'm curious as to what my doctor would say about it as a medical professional. You see, uh, it would be interesting to see what doctors say about this type of thing. Uh, I know of a few doctors, so I may just give them a call and just, you know, and again, some are friends. So just give them a call and, and, and see what they think about this and, and where that connection, what they think of that, uh, of how that connection would look and work between the phenomenon, the occupational phenomenon and the medical conditions that can be applied. There's another thing, you know, and, and again, I'm not trying to make a connection, but I, I certainly know that we've been talking a lot about, you know, John Singleton and the stroke, the fatal stroke that he had and, and uh, Luke Perry, you know, we've been talking also a lot about strokes and how they've impacted younger people, you know, people uh, at, at ages that we were surprised by, you know, so could there be a direct connection between occupational, this occupational phenomenon and medical conditions as severe as stroke or heart attack. Well, again, you know, I'm not a doctor, I have to clarify that, but it's no secret that stress is not good for anybody. Doctors will tell you, don't be stressed out, deal, find a way to deal with your stress. But that seems to be, you know, with, when I look at this, um, this report from the WHO, I say, well, it seems like that's easier said than done. So on one hand, we have this, and then on another hand, we have, you know, stroke and other, other medical conditions that are very serious. And then you have the dietary elements. You know, there was a report that said that eggs are, are more dangerous to um, risky to, to dangerous levels of cholesterol than we knew before. Essentially, I'm paraphrasing, but that said that, you know, and we always knew, you know, too much of anything is bad. So we always knew that uh, certain dairy products, a large consumption of dairy can negatively impact um, your bad cholesterol. Well, there was a study that said uh, that there's even more urgency in, in looking at that, looking at cholesterol intake with things like eggs and, and that type of thing. So if you're looking at this from the perspective of, okay, we have burnout, we have, you know, it's WHO says it's not a medical condition, not seen as a medical condition, but you also have clear medical conditions that are related to these, these types of symptoms, certainly stress. And then you have dietary concerns out there, right? And then lifestyle and matters like that. Um, people say America's the most obese nation, or maybe, I don't know if they even say this anymore, but up until a few years ago, you would hear this all the time. America has the, the highest amount of uh, cases of obesity, you know? And in some parts of the country, I think that's still true. Although every time I look around, I see people running like crazy and I say, well, I need to work out more, you know, but um, so fitness or lack thereof is a part of it. Uh, so you see how many things you have to work on, not just um, with, you know, a classification of, of doctors and experts working on this, this occupational phenomenon known as burnout, but you see how it, it you know, it spills into so many other issues where you have to look at. Um, your own medical care, you have to look at your own stress levels, you have to look at your own diet, you have to look at all these other things that 
are that are clearly connected because they always have been. And one study that maybe seems like they're stopping a little bit short. Again, that's just my interpretation. Seems like it's stopping a little bit short. You know, certainly you don't need that to know. Well, we've had these. We've seen these matters connected in different ways before. So it's alarming stuff. It's concerning. Uh, the question ultimately, I think, for businesses and employers is how do they handle it? But how do we as individuals handle it too? Uh, and, and what do we say to our doctors about it? And what do, what do our doctors say about it too? Um, it's, it's an interesting conversation. And uh, the only problem is in, our, in a world that is increasingly busy and competitive, uh, you know, what do you do to find, to alleviate that situation? I wish I had the answers to that. Um, that's the thing. I do this show and I love sort of talking about things and analyzing things. I just wish I had more answers, you know, uh, more after the break. You know, we say it often because it is true. Music brings everybody together and we celebrate that and more on Rock of Nations with Dave Kinchin, celebrating all things rock and roll, a podcast talking about the Stones and the Beatles, or if you like the heavier stuff like Zeppelin and Sabbath, we talk about them and everybody in between as well. There's interviews, there's insight, and there's fun vignettes that honor some of the greatest songs of all time. We are on Spotify, we are on iTunes, and if we are not where you should be getting podcasts, we will write a protest song about it. Tune in. That is a fun show, I have to tell you. That is a fun program to put together. And we just hit our 50th episode, our 50th, 50th podcast on Rock of Nations with Dave Kinchin. We did that actually uh, tonight, the date of this uh, uh, broadcast, um, which was initially supposed to be Sunday, but we had some scheduling issues. Um, so... You know, there's that, but uh, that's a fun show. We interviewed Nathan East uh, last week, of course, the bass player for Eric Clapton. He's played bass for uh, for Eric Clapton about, gosh, yeah, uh, almost four decades now. Co-wrote Easy Lover, by, which I heard at the grocery store today, actually, not kidding. Co-wrote that with Phil Bailey, Philip Bailey and Phil Collins. Um, and, uh, you know, he's the bass line on Get Lucky by Daft Punk. So... Nathan East, a really well-versed um, session musician and solo artist in his own right. Uh, he's one of the most recorded musicians in history. He has uh, 2,000 credits to his name, at least 2,000 at, at the last uh, check there. So that's pretty good. We've got, I mean, that's really good in terms of that show, a two-part series there. K.K. Downing from Judas Priest talked with him about some of the... Um, dramatic uh, issues going on with uh, his former band and uh, so yeah that show is really um, it's doing quite well uh, we're in 67 countries there and so uh, we're really proud of that show proud of this one as well and glad that you as the listener uh, allow us to do this and and have a great time doing it as well so um, that show is out there rock of nations with dave kinchin now uh, we've turned 50 <laughs> no no we're not 50 years old I'm not even 50. Uh, 50, our 50th podcast, did an hour hour long special, so that's um, that's great. It was great fun, and we do musical vignettes on there too as a tribute to some of our favorite songs, and so we we kind of take the ideas behind certain songs or the interpretations of ideas behind certain songs, and we do a little uh, storyline with them. So it's it's all in good fun. All right, so the second half of what we're looking at here, 
uh, on this podcast, uh, millennials and how their net worth, they are doing worse than previous generations. Um, this was a, a story actually in uh, the Washington Post. And they quote the source, uh, which is an accounting firm, they quote the source in, in the article. Um, so you can, you can find it out there. And it's really, it's been, um, Fox News picked it up, it's been picked up everywhere. But uh, student loan debt, rising rent and uh, healthcare costs, uh, it's essentially created very devastating conditions for millennials who now, on average, have a net worth below $8,000. So at or below $8,000, um, which is horrible. I mean, awful. Especially if you started working at 18 and you started saving at a young age. Now, every situation is different, but you've got um, student loan debt that is... We, we said it was skyrocketing, you know, seven, eight years ago. You know, it's beyond that now. Rent's going up. Um, you know, if you live in New York, my gosh, good luck out there. You know, cities like Washington, D.C. and Boston are still pretty expensive. Although rent's going up even in places like Philly, which, you know, Philly's generally seen as a little bit more affordable than a lot of other cities. You don't have to make a fortune to live in Philly or other uh, cities as well. Houston certainly is, is even uh, cheaper, relatively speaking, but the costs are rising a little bit depending on, on where and what uh, in the Houston area too. Uh, so this study, this report in the Washington Post, uh, um, and the firm is, I'm going to take a stab at the name, uh, Delot, uh, D-E-L-O-I-T-T-E, uh, Delot or Deloitte. Uh, we're going to get the full pronunciation of that by the end of, end of the show. Uh, Mr. Producer, check this for me, please. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Uh, uh, so it's an accounting, um, it's an, an agency that deals with accounting, among other things. And it says that um, the net worth of Americans between 18 and 35 years old dropped 34% since 1996. So, um, well, this is quoting the article here. Net worth of Americans between 18 and 35 years old dropped 34% since 1996. Now, you can look at the Great Recession, of course. Now, that was about 10 years ago, though. So the Great Recession was about, uh, well, quite some time before uh, this statistic, which dates back to 96. But, you know, you had economic fluctuation. Then overall, the 90s were very strong economically overall. Um, things slowed down in the mid-2000s, and then we started to get into the, the, great, um, the great Recession. And again, this is a very simplistic uh, a pro, um, explanation of it all, of course, but that's just the general time frame of things that we all remember. Uh, we all remember, we all recall. Um, so... But that's a long time. I mean, that is, that, that's, uh, you know, to, for, you know, 23 years to say there's been a, a drop that's gone to about 34%. That's, it's, it's a staggering number. Um, the report says that food cost uh, has gone up 26%. Uh, healthcare costs have gone up 21%. Housing, 16% uh, as well. So, and it also takes into account things that we didn't really factor in before, like smartphones and smartphone plans and that type of thing. So when you so you combine that, I, I mean, I'll give you a few thoughts that I have on on that. First of all, 
um, you know, we we have presidential candidates talking about various approaches on what to do with student loan debt, whether some of it's forgiven, whether it's not, um, you know, but handled in a different way. Um, it's it's getting serious traction in terms of being a topic that's really going to move millennials. I told you we'll get into some kind of politics somewhere, right? It's going to, I mean, this is going to be a big part of it that moves millennials. Hang on, drink of water. It's official Dave Kitchen tonight water. And official Rock of Nations water. Natural sound effect right there. Uh, we did, we're doing an hour and a half's worth of podcasting today, so we need, uh, you know, we need a whole tank of this stuff. Um, so, where was it? Okay, so, even water is getting expensive. So, you look at these numbers, and um, you have to figure out, like, what the heck do you do if you're in this this age group and you're impacted by something like this? Well, you do have a lot of young people who seem to be doing their own thing, who seem to be, it, it, provided that they were able to get the education for this, that's ex- extremely expensive now. And they were able to learn coding or learn, learn how to, they had an idea for an app and they build an app. Everybody, seem, there seems to be an app for everything now, right? So there's people who are able to, take on some level of entrepreneurship, start their own business. It's amazing how many young people are actually doing that. Not just apps per se, but they're finding something to do online and with, with technology, um, you know, to provide a service and, and to, you know, or at least have a side hustle. You know, that's another, that's a phrase you hear too, a side hustle, a side job. And, and you hear that from people in their 30s, going into their 40s who have a side job to pay their bills, to pay, to pay some extra cost, you know. Some of the folks I know who do that, uh, it's not to buy something really big and maybe it's to travel a little bit because travel is a big thing. Uh, but it's, it's to literally start paying down some of their debt. Uh, so maybe that's a good idea, too. Um, there's there's you know, young people who are really smart coming out of school, uh, incredibly smart and incredibly skilled, and they're able to do those kind of things. Uh, I, think, I think the other side of it, though, is... Uh, you know, there's, there's increasing pressure on universities to do something about these st- these staggering costs. You know, um, you know, people say, well, what about your endowments and what about this and what about that? You know, there's so much money that these universities already have. You know, let's 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 you know take the edge off a little bit. Um, it's a complicated issue, obviously. It's a complicated matter. It's not easy, but there's clearly you know something that has to be done. Um, it's, it, oh, I know what I was going to say. When you factor in the burnout part of it, uh, I mean, imagine being burnt out. There, I wonder if there's a terminology for school burnout, you know, and then imagine you walk across that stage with your cap and gown on, you get your diploma and you're burnt out from school and then you realize, well, the jobs that are out there are only paying, you know, $40,000. They're only maybe 50000 They're barely paying enough to survive after, you know, I'm expected to start paying off my loans and, and you know, on that low salary. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy stuff out there. So there's got to be a whole different level of burnout and stress for students 
you know, for um, students in school and then coming out of school and being loaded down with all that debt that they can't pay off because they can't find those jobs. Um, it was a big thing. Ten, you know, we first started talking about it like 10 years ago, and that was part of the whole recession. But now, um, because schools become so much more expensive, we're talking about it all over again. So I, I hope there are resources for students in school. I know there are resources for students on college campuses to handle these kinds of things. And, um, you know, I, I think we can all applaud whatever ingenuity, uh, whatever entrepreneurship um, young people can take on on their own. Um, if they say, you know, uh, I'm not going to just do this education and get a, get a job that pays a fraction of what I paid just to go to school. Um, or I will use that ed- education, but you know, I'm going to take a risk on my own and go out on bu- into business for myself, if they can do that, if they can even acquire the capital. And we talked about a lot of that with the Cool Cities thing, the one show we did a couple shows ago, where we said there are a lot of young people moving into big cities, and, and you know, they have the education, and they're, they're able uh, to, to, um, to try to control some of those costs or try to pay certain things down. Because they, they just happen to have the talent and skill and, and you know, they, they went after that and they pursued it. But uh, it's also been reported that millennials are waiting to get married uh, and waiting to actually buy houses. So there's a little bit more rent paying, but then they're paying rent as the rent goes up. And, you know, there's a little bit more, um, there, there's, there's more time that's being taken before they uh, make those big investments like a house or whatever else. And... Um, and the investments that come along with getting married. So um, it's these are tough times all over again. In some ways, they feel like 10 years ago. In other ways, uh, it's just the, 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 the cost of living has gone up so significantly. Um, you know, y- you have to ask what happens if you can't get the, the economy and, the, and, and the, the workforce to, to help... Uh, to create salaries that, uh, you know, that allow for people to find the solutions. You know, where do you go from there? As always, more questions than answers. Deloitte is the firm. Deloitte, thank you so much, uh, Mr. Producer, sir, for uh, fetching that information for us. Um, So Deloitte... uh, is the organization being quoted by the Washington Post article there that we just uh, talked about? Uh, so you know we've got we've got troubles. Uh, I'm not going to break out into the Music Man here, but we, <laughs> one of my favorite musicals. But we we have uh, troubles in this country, uh, in, in this in this world, obviously, uh, and uh, these are just the latest batch of it: burnout and uh, millennial uh, net worth. Uh, at or below $8,000, um, so significant challenges out there, but, you know, people continue to put their minds together every day and solve problems, and when they do, and when they solve these, uh, we will tell you about it, and, uh, hopefully they can do that soon. Hey, it's great to be back on Dave Kinchin tonight, um, it's also great to continue to do our other show, Rock of Nations with Dave Kinchin, check that out, check this one out, and, uh, We will check out for now until we come back. Uh, And we will be back. Always great to uh, talk with you here. And uh, oh, the social media, how could we, you know, we got to get the social media. Uh, 
at Dave Kinchin USA on Twitter and uh, Dave Kinchin tonight on Facebook. And uh, I've got some other social media accounts out there too. Um, uh, so you can find, I'm out there. Oh, and, and of course, uh, DaveKinchin.com where uh, you can find a little bit more about me and, uh, you know, we'll take it from there. So it's great to have you here, friends. We will be back very soon. <laughs>